Waiting is not something that most people are particularly good at. It requires the virtue of patience, and that's almost always in short supply. Think about the times in your life when waiting was the hardest. Waiting for a child to be born, waiting for the results of medical tests, waiting for the return of a loved one, waiting for a jury to return a verdict. To be in waiting is to be vulnerable, and in some ways to helplessly face the reality that someone or something else is in control. The Jewish people in the time of Christ were waiting the promised Messiah. And so when John appeared, John the Baptist, and he seemed to have some of the characteristics of the one they expected, they sent their leaders, the priests and Levites, to ask him, are you the Christ? Are you Elijah returned from heaven? Are you the prophet? They were awaiting an apocalyptic figure who would free them from their Roman occupiers and reestablish the political order that they wanted so badly. They didn't understand John and they rejected Jesus because both of them failed to match their expectations. And so their waiting continued. The church has given us this season of waiting in which we anticipate the coming of Christ at the end of time and also celebrate the coming of Christ at Christmas. This is an odd sort of metaphorical waiting since Jesus came at Christmas time some 2,000 years ago, so not really waiting for that. And although we await his return in glory, it's not as if he's not still here. We celebrate Christ's presence among us when we gather together as the body of Christ, the church, when we read the scriptures, which are the word of God, and when we receive his real presence in the Eucharist. Jesus Christ is here with us and among us. So what are you waiting for? I think the answer to that in some ways is all around us. Think back to your childhood and what it was like to wait for Christmas. And you would see the signs all around you, the Christmas tree in the living room, the Christmas music that's everywhere. And if you're old enough, you'd remember the salad shooter and the chia pet on TV. <laughs> remember when like chia seeds were something you plastered on the outside of a ceramic pig and not something you ate with your breakfast? Do you remember that? All of that pointed to the coming celebration, a celebration that would have presents and candy and cookies and candy and visiting relatives and friends and candy and time off from school and candy. Do you remember that anticipation, that waiting? I especially remember the candy, apparently. And, and this is the, the joyful innocent waiting in anticipation of Christmas. It's the excitement you can barely contain. And it is so different from the more adult waiting that tends to bring us anxiety. The difference between the two is that that joyful anticipation and eager waiting for Christmas doesn't contain a crumb of doubt about the fact that Christmas is coming. And it always does. And so this Advent challenges us to wait with joy 
because we know Christ is coming. In fact, he's already here. And we await with joyful anticipation the completion of his salvific mission when God's kingdom is established in its fullness. On this Gaudete Sunday with its festive and fabulous pink vestments, or as close as we get, uh, we rejoice with the whole church because, as Isaiah put it, I rejoice heartily in the Lord In my God is the joy of my soul, for he has clothed me with a robe of salvation and wrapped me in a mantle of justice, like a bridegroom adorned with a diadem, like a bride bedecked with her jewels. We're not sitting here wondering if God's justice is assured. We're not losing hope that the poor might not hear the glad tidings and the brokenhearted might not be healed. Now, our Advent waiting is joyous because Easter has already happened. Our God has come to live with us, has bought our freedom, and feeds us at every Mass with his own divine and grace-filled body. So even when it's raining, I'm going to rejoice. And when our politics are poisoned by division, I'm still going to live joyfully. If my wallet is empty and my inbox is full, I will still rejoice. As St. Paul writes to all of us this morning, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In all circumstances, give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. This doesn't mean we don't feel pain. Rejoicing doesn't magically cancel out grieving and create justice in the world. We have work to do. That's the mission Jesus gave his disciples, to feed the poor, heal the sick, visit the imprisoned, instruct the ignorant, to make known God's love and justice and compassion. And we can do that. We can work for justice without being swamped by injustice. We can serve the poor and reach out to the lost without dissolving into a puddle of tears because God's victory is assured. That's why we can rejoice always. At the end of Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the Grinch is shocked to hear that despite his theft of all their presents and decorations and even their food, the Who's down in Whoville still manage to rejoice. And when he hears their singing, he has a bit of an epiphany. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled three hours till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. And of course, Christmas does mean a lot more. The Who's celebration came because they could rejoice even in their loss and deprivation. So rejoice, Christmas is almost here. Ready or not, Christ is coming to you regardless of your readiness and heedless of your sin. So set aside your fears and quiet your angers And forgive those things that dampen your joy. And rejoice, 
always.